You're listening to episode number 10 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with intimacy expert Alana Pratt. Sounds saucy. Let's go. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoie. All right, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. You're going to love this one. We got a great guest for you today, intimacy expert Alana Pratt. She inspires open-hearted, unapologetic living with delicious sass. Her inspiring vulnerability and courage has landed her a featured weekly column on The Good Men Project, Featured as an icon of influence and as a guest expert on CBS, TLC, Fox, Forbes, People Magazine, and the Huffington Post. She's a cum law graduate of Columbia University and the author of four books, and she hosts the empowering podcast Intimate Conversations to guests like Grammy Award-winning Alanis Morissette. She's a certified coach. Uh, Alana was asked by Lisa Gibbons to coach her during Dancing with the Stars, if you've watched that show. With close to 4 million viewers on YouTube, Alana launched Ask Alana as the go-to authority helping followers feel safe, understood, and able to trust again after a harsh breakup so they can create hot, healthy, thriving, intimate relationships. Let's welcome Alana and get right to it. Alana Pratt, thank you so much for being my guest. Oh my goodness, it's so great to be here and to support your people in the you know, I'm thinking about a divorce, I'm in a divorce, I'm divorced, and not only am I really hoping to give them some internal skills, I'm also really excited to be transparent. I've been through it twice, so I I think I really walk my talk with what I'm here to share, and I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you, and it's going to be a great chat. I have no doubt. Everybody, get ready, because uh, we're going to get right into it. Now, I know you've been divorced, and you've actually... Correct me if I'm wrong, you've been divorced twice, right? Yep, two times. One of them, I think, was a little nastier than the other. Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody just a little bit about what you went through? Sure, sure. Um, It's really, I think, if we can see divorce or relationships in general as growth opportunities. So the first one, I'm from Canada, small town Canadian girl, and I was living over in Japan as a model and a dancer and a spokesperson and all these fun things in my early 20s. And there he was, tall, dark, and handsome, multimillionaire. I mean, come on, can you do any better than that? And I, (laughs) right, right, you know? However, I had not dealt with any of my own daddy issues. And I was still a very insecure little girl who didn't feel safe, who wanted to feel secure and be approved of. Now, on the outside, of course, I was this like big model and blah, blah, blah. But on the inside, when I saw that somebody chose me, I didn't even consider if I chose him. I just was like, okay, safety. And, you know, the whole we moved back to New York and the whole living in Connecticut and having a place in the city. And I was going to Columbia University at the time. You know, it just looked so damn good, but it didn't feel good. And as time went on and I began to evolve as a spiritual being, as a sacred, sensual woman, as a self-expressed woman, no, 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 no there's the box, get back in it. <laughs> and so um, I, I really just outgrew the, the relationship. I wasn't who signed up for the gig and I, ch- I changed. Okay, and so, how long were you married? 
we were together for like six years. So like three years engaged, three years married and, and bless him. He, he did go to therapy and, you know, counseling and all the rest of it with me, but it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. And while the, the breakup was a little bit nasty in the beginning, there was a prenup. So it, you know, it was over pretty quickly and I moved on. And I began to do a little bit of inner work on myself, but I wasn't quite ready to grow up yet. <laughs> um, and then my second husband arrived on the scene right when my mom was dying. And my dad had remarried. My sister was getting married. I didn't have anybody. And I didn't at that point have the capacity to feel my feelings. I didn't want to feel the pain of my mother dying. I just thought, you know what? Do you have a check? Do you have a pulse? Uh, checkbook? Do you have a pulse? Like I, I mean, sperm like that, like my requirements were quite low. Does anybody, anybody save me so I don't have to feel this pain? Let me have a husband. Let me have a child. This is how I was going to get through it. I'm not saying that was the enlightened way. It was just as good as I could do at the time when I was right. feeling so scared because my mom and I were so close. And so I quickly got married to husband number two. And within a year, uh, she has, she had died. And there I was a single motherless mom of a, of a little boy. And the second time, noticing the only one in common was me, <laughs> I'm like, okay, we need to do some work here. And I really looked at the insecure parts of me that didn't know how to navigate intense emotions, didn't know how to love myself, only like the good parts. I could love the good parts, but the wobbly parts, I was so judgmental of myself. I was looking for approval from the outside. Um, and I just, I didn't know how to just sit in the fire and breathe. And so this is what I learned was what I had to do when I got divorced for the second time. But what I didn't see coming was how humiliated my ex felt that I gave him my word that I would marry him and love him forever. And then I broke my word and everybody knew I divorced him and he didn't react so favorably. And it turned into a 12 year court battle where I lost oh the God. house. Yeah, I lost now, the house. One question before yeah. you. Before you Please. continue, Please. this is going to be really interesting. Did yeah. you, when you decided that husband number two, it was not going to work and, you know, it was just time for a divorce and to move on. Yeah. When you broke the news to him, or let me ask you, how did you break the news to him? Oh, he was a very scary man uh, with a lot of anger issues. When I first met him, the way those anger issues came out were not at me. They were at the world. And I thought, oh, my God, look how, look how he's so passionate for justice. He's so, like, you know, committed to doing right. But when you're on the, the end of him hating you, <laughs> it's not a pretty place to be. I was terrified of him. I was terrified for my life. I was terrified. Um, so I... I pretended it was fine for as, as absolutely long as I could. And I was so scared of him. I almost was willing to give him the million dollar house just to get away. I still ended up giving him well over a hundred thousand dollars to leave me. Um, but yeah, I, I was not in an, in an empowered place whatsoever. I was terrified of him and his rage was my intuition that he'd be rageful was, was accurate. Um, and it was a very, very scary ride of really just being the brunt of a bully and just wanting to do the right thing and not create any um, drama for our son. But over those 12 years, our son went into 5150, which is when the kid says they want to kill themselves and the cops arrive and take your child away. And the child is now the state's child. It's not your child anymore. 
like scary shit like that went down for all wait, this wait. time. I'm not familiar with that 5150 and I'm, some other people might not be either. Is that a California thing? I guess so. I've, I mean, I've only lived in New York and in, um, in California. So basically 5150 means the, the state believes that the child is 51% not stable. And so if a child says, I want to kill myself at a school or to a therapist, they are court reported to call the authorities and the authorities arri- arrive and they take your child. Oh my God. And that's what happened like, in, with your child, your son. Three times. Yeah. Oh my God. And it was his attempt because he was, when things got really rough, he was like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, like the last five years was, were the worst. It was just his attempt to be heard because he, he, he felt like he was in the middle of a tug of war. He felt he was in the middle of like a vice. In fact, he told me, and I, I just want you guys to stop. And, um, for me, when the police officers just kept knocking on the door with another court case, you have to show up where you're in contempt of court. So I was caught um, reacting in this pendulum where I just kept getting sucked into it, having to show up in court all the time, afraid to show up without a lawyer. And then you hire a lawyer and then the lawyer wants to fight the other lawyer. And then all of a sudden, the million dollar house is gone. The quarter of million of savings is gone. And now I'm in an, an additional quarter million of debt legal debt. And that's, always, that, that was the path. Oh my God. I'm so sorry you went through all that. I always tell people that the lawyers, while they should be part of the solution, if you pick the wrong attorneys, they could be part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so given you can sense the energy I was at the time, pretty insecure. Um, I was trying so hard in court to prove my worth, prove I was a good mother and all of the horrendous accusations, I would be so aghast and I would react and justify and give reasons. It made me look even more guilty. And it was a, it was a really dark night of the soul. But as I, as I'm, as people get to know me and I'd love you to be on my newsletter list and read because I'm very vulnerable and I, and I share about the vulnerabilities, the shame, the fear, the anger that goes on in every single one of us, but there's rarely a safe place to express it. And because we, what you resist persists, when we stuff these things away, uh, we don't grow and we exacerbate our problems. And so as I share with my community over the years, everything I've learned, this, my ex-husband was one of my greatest spiritual teachers. This divorce was in custody battle was the greatest spiritual teacher for me to recognize how much I still wanted people's approval, how my circumstances were determining my, my centeredness and my presence or my, you know, lack thereof, of it, how I didn't just know my worth. I had to justify it. And, and so it was a wonderful experience to help people get to the other side, to unhook from trying to justify, to unhook from trying to control, to not buy into this, uh, the drama that can occur, and instead to come from more of a, of a centered place. And when you change anything on the inside that changes, the outside has to change. That's quantum physics. The inner always creates the outer. And when you can raise your self-worth, forgive yourself, forgive the other, see the gifts Allow these qualities within yourself to emerge, the ones of forgiveness, the ones of speaking your truth, the ones of letting go of attachment, the, the ones of presence. When you can let these qualities inside emerge, the, the battle tends to dissolve, or at least you're not 
affected by it and they're no longer getting a hit out of you, juice out of you. They can no longer trigger you and they generally go away and find someone else to play with <laughs> that they can trigger. And right, then there's, so there's well. more peace. Right. It doesn't work so well when they, when they can't push your buttons and get that reaction that they want. Exactly. So it was a tough one. Uh, you know, my growth was, was not easy, but I've got to say now that it, the inside of my heart regarding my ex is pretty, pretty still and grateful. I still don't want to like go for a beer with him or anything, but right. like I, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm at peace right. from all of this. Yeah. And, and you're healthy and in a good place. And, and that's what's important. Now, let me ask you, after going through all that, was that the catalyst for you becoming who you are today as far as, you know, you know, uh, a coach, intimacy expert and all that? Or were you doing that before this divorce happened? It's a great question. I was, I've been a coach for almost 20 years. So it was definitely happening uh, while I was going through all of this. I began coaching more in the realm of um, empowerment for women. And it was much around loving your body, connecting with your intuition, seeing your sacredness um, in your sexuality, and really being in balance as a, as a woman, not against men, um, but being the what could awaken their nobility. So it was much more around that sort of sacred sexuality intimacy angle. And as this began happening in my career, I began sharing more and more about it and the growth that I had about it. And then as soon as I was on the other side and could show people how to get through their divorce in a better way, a lot of people, um, mostly people after the the divorce, sometimes couples and sometimes, a lot of times actually people thinking about a divorce would start to come to me because I could could have this space of non-judgment, unconditional love, complete understanding. I got the craziness of it that they were often ashamed of. Here are these very successful people that totally look like they're normal, having this loco postal crap, you know, going on in the background. You know, I would, I'd be like, I get it. I get it. So it was a really safe place to help them come back to reality, process their emotions and make really grounded, healthy decisions, decisions that I didn't have the capacity to do back then, but now I can hold space for them too. So a lot of my clients have heartbreak, a wounded, you know, wounded hearts, a a past that they don't know how to let go of trauma and abuse that continues to trigger them and not, so they don't feel safe opening their heart again to healthy relationship and the same patterns are continuing. So that tends to be the people that come to me to be, to be cared for, supported, loved, held in my sacred, you know, coaching sessions so that they can create that wonderful intimate relationship again. Yeah, and I and I think that's why you're going to be such a a great source of information, and uh, this is going to be a great show because not only you know do you coach people, but you walk the walk, you've been through it, you can you you know firsthand a lot of the feelings that people going through a divorce uh, or have been divorced or even like you said thinking about a, a divorce have are feeling, and yeah, um, so that that just adds to everything. So, Thank you. Let's get right to it um, yeah. and, and talk about divorce a little bit and how you help people. Let's, let's start. We're going to break it down into three uh, chapters, if you want to call it that. I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about people thinking about getting a divorce, but maybe who haven't started the process yet, not sure where they are, yeah. um, but they know the marriage is not going well and they're not in a good spot. 
then we'll talk about people who are in a divorce, and then we'll talk about people who are already divorced, but maybe are still dealing with some issues that you know yeah. to work through. So we'll Great. start for people. Let's take a deep dive into people who are not yet started the divorce process, but the marriage isn't good. Um, they're not in a good spot. Do you have any tips for people like that? Yeah, for sure. So the first place, I never think divorce is the answer without like turning over every stone, doing your work, giving it your best shot. And if it still won't work, then move on. And the reason why is you're going to attract the exact same person in another body if you don't do your work with this person. So relationships are meant to help us grow. There's this um, illusion that, you know, oh my God, I have to work and then I find the one. And once I find the one, you know, we don't have to work at it anymore. It's like, really? A plant? You buy the plant and all of a sudden you don't need to water the plant anymore? No, no, no. You got to take care of a relationship. And relationships are filled with equal support and challenge. And we, we have this like, you know, kumbaya bunny rabbits and rainbows idea that, you know, oh, if we don't get along all the time, there's something wrong. No, no, no. Half of the relationship is support, but half is challenge. And the question becomes, is this challenge for me or against me? So for example, if there's physical abuse, you know, alcoholism, affairs, like you just unworkable challenges where the person isn't keeping their agreement in the first place that you two made, to me, that's an unworkable challenge. But let's say there's a challenge around communication and caring for the kids or money or sex. Well, before you throw in the towel, have a look. Is this challenge actually for you to deepen your communication skills, release your sexual shame and ask for what you desire, have um, healthier and more clear rules around money so that you can thrive financially and both people honor the abundance of the household? Sometimes challenges are a gift to help you grow into an even better you. And then, as I said, sometimes they're not. So if you're considering divorce, take full responsibility that this is for you, not against you. Like blaming the other isn't going to work. Being a victim isn't going to work. Lean in and start asking, how is this challenge for me? Get the lesson. Do your work. And once you've done your work, you'll be stronger, deeper, wider, grander, more evolved. That's awesome. And if they come along, great. Now we're into phase two of the relationship and we've moved through the challenge and we're stronger. If they don't or won't, then you can feel at peace to bless and release them because your sacred contract is is done. You're willing to keep growing and evolving without blaming or shaming and they're not. And so you can say, thank you. I've learned a lot. I bless you and wish you well. And even if that means co-parenting for the next 10, 15 years, you can do so with that respect and love for the other, not and just not the in love with the other, hopefully. There's also the situation where you're the cantankerous, like, like I had as well. And we'll get to that, you know, chapter three, as, as you said. But that would be what I would ask people to, to look at. How is the challenge for me and be willing to do the work? Did that make sense? Oh, that made total sense. And I'm so glad that you said that because that's kind of what I preach and, you know, other people I talk to, other experts, and they, they say the same thing for the most part. And that consistency and that, that positive message about putting in the work, I love that everybody keeps coming up with that because I think that is the answer. Um, and tell me what you think about this. I've had conversations with people and now I usually am wearing my attorney hat when I, when I do that. Um, yeah. Or when I was doing that, I don't 
represent people anymore in their divorces. But, uh-huh. you know, people think, I think, you know, they, the word conflict um, has a negative connotation to it, right? And people, when they feel that there's conflict in the marriage, they think, well, that's not good. Maybe there shouldn't be any conflict. Otherwise, well, a healthy marriage means there should be zero conflict. And I don't think no. that's the case. No. And I don't think that's what you were saying either, right? There's different types of conflict, the good one yeah. and the bad one. Um, yeah. So, I'm, so conflict and challenge for me would be like the same word. Exactly. So, so, yeah. So if you lean in, like it's a great exercise just to do, to do this, to get you out of this ping pong um, illusion and taking the words pain and pleasure. So normally we think pain is bad, conflict is bad, challenge is bad, and pleasure is good. And, and, and um, getting along all the time is good. Well, turn it around. What's the benefit of pain? And what's the disadvantage of pleasure? This brings your mind into the present moment reality. Because pain, think about how, how does the butterfly get out of the cocoon? You just snip it open and dies. Right, it's through struggle, it's through this discomfort, it's through conflict that it it learns to get out of that cocoon and fly. It's how we build muscle. Push-ups don't feel great, but look at that big strong body. Resistance. Yeah, and perseverance and and resilience and grit that's all birthed through pain, challenge, conflict, right? And then we go over into the realm of pleasure or getting along and everything's perfect. Okay, that's great. And then, but if it happens over time for too long, too much pleasure, well, you forget to file your taxes and take the garbage out. Like it's just too (laughs) much pleasure and too much pleasure. You're just, you kind of take each other for granted. You know, if it's happy every day, happy every day, it's daytime every day and there's no night. Like you sort of lose the appreciation. You lose empathy for others who are going through pain. You you might even get arrogant. So there's actually a detriment to all pleasure. And, and there is there are benefits to pain. So once you get that, you're like, wait a minute. Okay, so how is this conflict for me? How can I grow here? How is, how is this going to be a gift for our relationship? And that takes maturity. That takes owning your shit and not blaming others. It, it's, it's a big deal. But I promise you, if you're willing to do it, whether the divorce, whether the marriage actually stays together or not, you'll both grow. And you'll be able to, as I said, bless and release each other if it's, if it's consciously you know, uncoupling. Or you're like, wow, we just got through phase one. We, we just have the most incredibly strong foundation for, for phase two. Let's, let's renew our vows, babe, you know, and, and you can move forward. Right. And, and, you know, it's uncomfortable to go through that, you know, growth period and, and kind of get through that, you know, go through those challenges or, or conflict. And I think those words are pretty interchangeable in how we're using them here. Um, do you think, though, so would you say a well-rounded or a healthy marriage or relationship um, Obviously, I would say it includes these challenges and conflict. It's, it's how you deal with that that matters. Correct. Right. And, and to expect it and to prepare for it. So a lot of people, they do really great with the courting. They do really great with the wedding. And then there they are. And then they like, what? We're going to fight? We, we don't know how to do this. And people like hit below the belt. They stonewall. They ignore each other. They reject it. It's just like, whoa, all of our old programming from our parents just choo, comes right out or from society or what have you. But if you can be proactive enough, which people rarely, rarely do people call me to go, hey, we have a great relationship. How can we make it better? Can we hire you? Like <laughs> rarely is that who calls me, um, but it would be super great if they did because there are wonderful communication techniques. Like me and my, my boyfriend and I, this is like, for example, just the other night we went back and forth. It's called a, a dyad and you don't get to have a comment back. You just get to say thank you. 
And thank you doesn't mean I agree. It just means I understand. A lot of people think you need to be agreed with to get along in a relationship. No, you don't. You just need to be understood. Respectful. And so, yeah, yeah, and gotten. Communication is not just a one-way cycle. It's a two-way cycle. You communicate, but if the other person doesn't hear, ignores, judges, justifies, deflects, the communication stays spinning in your mind. And a lot of my clients have had communication spinning in their mind of a, of a parent that didn't listen, an, ex, an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that didn't listen, an ex-husband-wife that didn't listen. There's a lot of craziness in their, in their head. So a great healthy practice to have is the, are these dyads where you get gotten and understood, seen and heard, but not necessarily agreed with. So for example, the other night with my boyfriend, we were having dinner by candlelight. It was really awesome. And I said, tell me a way you like to be loved. And... His first answer was really quite sexual. And I'm like, thank you. Super duper. Um, and typical, so then, right? <laughs> typical guy, but that's okay. That's great. Um, I'm glad he's Just the way we're hotwired. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. And then he asked me, and, and it was more of like a safety thing, making me you know, say, and he's like, thank you. And then again, we went back and forth for like half an hour. I got to just, I got to just tell you, I didn't even know there was stuff inside me that wasn't being communicated. No one had given me the space to look that safe space to be heard and the safe space to communicate. And so there I was, it was like round five or six of like, he's like, so tell me a way you like to be loved. And I just remembered, I don't remember him touching my cheek. I don't remember me touching my cheek just to touch my cheek without there being an agenda. Okay. That means then he wants sex and you know, like just touch my cheek and just be present with me. And that's enough. And I started to cry in all honesty how much I ached for physical touch that didn't necessarily mean we were going to lead to something. And I love sex, okay? But like, I want there to be also, a way I like to be loved is also just to be held. But like, I didn't know that was there and it brought us so close. And I, I was crying and, he, and he, he, he picked me up and he took me to bed and he just let me cry. And I'm so grateful that that occurred because there was this slight withhold Anytime I'd go towards him to give him a hug, I'm like, no, don't give him a hug because that's probably going to lead to something. And I'm like, oh my God, now I can be me. I can be fully express me. So that's like one intimate, transparent detail of my personal life. But this is what I take my clients through. And this is what you can do with your partner to be seen and known. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. How can, just for people listening, if um, it's something that you can convey in a couple of minutes, this dyad exercise, exactly how do you go about doing that? So maybe mm. people can try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to give a little foreshadowing. I can't remember what we agreed that I would provide for them, but there is a free chapter um, of my fourth book. Um, and if you enjoy the book and you keep reading, there's a whole long list of like 21 dyads. It's like an intimacy boot camp that I put into that book of these different questions that you can ask. But, but basically, here's how it goes. The first question you ask back and forth for five minutes is, tell me something you like about me. And it's just one thing, and the other person can only say thank you. And this really builds affinities and opens our heart. Uh, I have like this home study program called Heart Splayed Wide Open. And it's really like, don't even try to communicate if your heart's closed, because you're, you're, you're coming from insecurity, and you're not connecting, you're not making contact, and you're needy, or you're trying to control. But when your heart is open... You're authentically connected to self and what you communicate might be vulnerable, but it will be real. And if it's your ideal partner with somebody that wants to grow with you, it will land and it will grow. Sort of that's the concept of the seven-week webisode thing I do. So anyways, back to the dyad. Tell me something you like about me. Back and forth five minutes builds uh, affinity. 
opens the heart. Number two, second question, tell me something you think we align on. So whenever things aren't going very well, each of you are on like opposite teams, which is not going to go well. You're right. never going to win. So this idea of five for five minutes back and forth of something you align on, it starts to bridge you together. I and like again, that. you don't have to even agree, but that is uh, um, what you communicate. And then the third question, that's where I have like the 21 different examples um, of this third question. You go back and forth for 20 to 30 minutes. Don't let this whole thing go longer than like 40, 45 minutes because it's hard to stay present that long. Yeah. Um, and it could be like, tell me something you want me to understand that you think I don't understand. And the challenge is when they say, well, I don't think you understand the blah, blah, blah. Your job is to go... Thank you. Right. <laughs> Even if you totally don't understand. And a little, uh, a little rule that helps with that is try to say, I feel. Try not to say you. And if you need to refer to them, say another. It's very frustrating when another doesn't text when they said they would come home because I feel afraid. Okay? That's it's, awesome. just, it's, it, it's more palpable than when you say, when you don't text and I'm not rare. It's like, right. No pointing. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of other little distinctions uh, in this process and obviously a lot of other questions in, in my book, but it's a really beautiful way to get deep, fast, and connect with another. No, that's great. And I hope everybody out there, um, if you feel that your situation warrants it, try it. I know I'm going to try it with my wife um, and see how it, see where it goes. I'm nice. excited about that. Good. So getting back to what we were talking about a little bit, that was a little bit of a... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a side street, but that's fine. I, I love doing that stuff. We were talking about putting in the work. When you put in the work, and this is, again, pre-divorce, should it be couples therapy or individual therapy or both? Both. Whenever I work with clients, I do individual and together. It's so fun to blame the other person, <laughs> but they're just a reflection of you. <laughs> So um, there's a lot of growth that comes exponentially with the results of my clients because I break it up and I bring them back together. I'm not interested in just being like a typical talk therapist where I listen to you argue for an hour and then I say, great, come back next week. Right. Um, be nicer. <laughs> like what? Um, that's not helping. Good so session. I... I do super deep, like I have, I'm a coach. I have a full coaching practice, but I also have two coaches myself. I think it's out of integrity to be a coach if you don't have coaches. And so my coaches are super, super cutting edge, quantum psychology, cellular memory, equilibration training. Like they teach me how to quickly release trauma, quickly release any of these cellular memories, quickly reset the limbic brain because everybody out there is smart. We all know the right thing to do. We just don't do it. Why? because the subconscious is running the show. So just reading more books and having a good attitude doesn't work because when you're triggered, something else takes over. And so we need to go flatten the trigger. We don't need to like put, I call it sprinkles on top of the ice cream cone of shit. It doesn't work. 10 more affirmations doesn't work. But when you clear those triggers away, you can actually stay present in the moment when you normally go postal. And that's actually what it takes to, to heal a marriage or to complete it with integrity. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Um, now, for people who are in a divorce, uh, and let's say going through a nasty divorce, a contested situation, what tips do you have for them that might be different than if you're pre-divorce stage? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is in week two of the book and week two of the home study program. It's totally politically incorrect. Um, and everybody, all the information, uh, just before you get started there, Alana, all the information about your book uh, is going to be in the show notes of this episode. So, uh, Oh, thank you. Find it there. 
Thank you. Yeah. Everybody gets the free chapter of chapter or chapter one, and I think you'll really enjoy it. And if you like it all, go for it. Um, so, so it's called the theater of redemption and I'm not going to go into total detail because out of context, it sounds like I'm a little crazy, but basically (laughs) it's a very, very healthy way to release anger, stuck anger, stuck triggers, um, stuck energy in your body. Because if there is latent anger that you're putting pressure on top of, it's just going to blow. It's going to blow and create depression inside your body. It's going to blow in the courtroom and make you look like an idiot. It's going to blow at the person, the, you know, your ex in front of your children. It's going to blow. It can't not blow. It's pressure inside you and it's going to go somewhere. It's going to create sickness. My sweet mom died at 61 of liver cancer. And if you're into Louise Hay and you can heal your life and all of that kind of stuff with the, you know, medical intuitives, that's just the seat of anger in our body, our liver. And she just stuffed it all. And she had gone through a divorce and etc. And I, I, I really, really um, insist that we need to release our anger in a healthy way because anger itself isn't good or bad. It's just energy. And it's telling you something's awry, something's off, something's out of integrity, something's not in alignment with your values. You've got to listen to it. But most of us don't know how to deal with it. We think it's bad and wrong. So we stuff it. We stuff it and then we blow. Stuff, 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 blow. And it doesn't work. So like a need- volcano, right? I think totally. it's yeah, totally like a volcano. So, so um, that would be one of the most important pieces of work that must be done during a divorce so you can keep your sanity. You can stay grounded. You can come from centeredness. You can be your, your best self during a very challenging time. That's great advice because you want to stay grounded and stay healthy. I always preach um, that during the process, the last thing you want to do, especially, and again, this is more from a legal standpoint, is you, you want to wear the white gloves in the relationship. And if you have to go before a divorce court judge and you're mudslinging at each other and he said, she said, you know, you want to be the person that they can't say anything about you about, you know, yeah. uh, let them, let them do all the crap. And, you know, yeah. if you, if you can manage yourself and not react and give them any fodder to show a divorce judge, then that's the spot you want to be in. But of course that's easier said than done. So you got to practice these techniques to put yourself in that spot. It's Yeah, it's way easier said than done. And again, sprinkles on top of the ice cream cone of shit doesn't work. Even a good attitude isn't enough. That emotional trigger is running you. So do the work to flatten it so you can more easily stay centered. And then that'll, you'll be able to sit in the fire. And they say that, you know, the phoenix rises out of the fire, right? It'll go the best it can if that's who you're, you're being. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great advice. Thanks so much for uh, sharing that with us. Um, anything else for people going through the process before we get to people who are have went through the process and but still dealing with issues? I really don't think you ought to go through it alone. And I know legal fees are like a bitch, but I really think it's important to have somebody on the personal level, the life coach level, the intimacy expert like me level, because it is such a sad time. It is such a disappointing time. It is such a, a dealing with like horrendous accusations. It's a hurtful time. Um, it's a scary time. It's just so friggin' intense that if you, you, it's sort of like if you could imagine little you and there's inside of your heart, there's the sad you, the scared you, the mad you, the devastated you. There's all these little yous inside and you can't, you know, operate your best self when you're, you're not taking care of all of these parts of yourself. Like if your children came in the room, I'm scared. You wouldn't say, yeah, later, right. you know, they're, 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 you know, sad and they come in and they want to hug your own. No, later, later, 
Like you'd be an awful parent if you did that to your children. But we often do that to ourselves during a divorce. And so I encourage, I mean, it's just going to probably be a little on the expensive side anyway, so just get over it. And I would really hire uh, a coach, a healer, a intimacy expert, some, somebody that really gets it, who can help you process the emotions as you're going through it so that you're your most present centered self. And then when you get to the other side, you don't need to spend the next three, six, nine, 12 months healing because you were kind of doing it as you went. And then when you're done, you'll, you might not, you know, be like, la, 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 I'm so happy, but you'll be, you'll be present. You'll, you'll be, be better for it. You'll yeah. be in the best spot you can. Yeah. I wouldn't wait. And, and, and I think that's, that's a great point about, you know, I call it your team. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have a good team around you when you're going through this process because a divorce, especially a nasty divorce is probably one of the most traumatic times of your life. Yeah. And you know, the most obvious person everybody thinks of is, Oh, I have to have an attorney, which is, I always say, True. if you can afford one, yes, get one. Uh, but in addition to that, you got to think about other people like coaches, like yourself, um, therapists, you know, people other than friends and family who are good and you should have on your side, but they're biased. Um, yeah. and you need objective professionals to, to help you and guide you. So you end up in the place that you want to be at the end. Yeah. And so you can literally see the whole process is for you, not against you. We waste energy in resistance when yeah. we can, I mean, think about it like paddling upstream. No, it's no, we want to go with the flow and that's hard to do when the flow is scary. And, yeah. and, and you know, so yeah, we're and, saying and the same thing. Yeah. And I think people uh, waste so much energy uh, fighting, resisting, and, yeah. and not looking at the big picture and just saying, yeah. okay, this is happening, but I got to get through it and, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I totally awesome. agree. All right. Chapter three, the last chapter. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great. This is, this is a short, short book. No. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk with people about people who are already divorced. That's you know, like yourself, but you know, who are still dealing with issues, whether it's custody issues, financial mm-hmm. issues, yeah. it's not over. You thought it was over, but it's not over. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, right? <laughs> I often say, yeah, unfortunately, I often say, you know, when you get your judgment of divorce, you know, with the official stamp and it's done, unfortunately, that might be the beginning. Beginning of your healing, yeah, yeah. Or, or the beginning of your problems too, depending on what you're dealing with. But, you know, meaning problems don't end just when your legal divorce is finished. Completely. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's in fact, talk about that. Yeah. Well, in fact, one of my clients, I, 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 do, I work privately, I have groups, um, all these different ways I do. So I have this inner circle. And last night she just, and it's been two years. She's been working with me for two years. And so she got divorced two years ago, but she finally just shredded everything except for the legal document. She's moving. She just got the keys to her new place. Like her whole new life is starting all these you know, years later. Um, but she finally shredded that whole box she was keeping. And then lo and behold, she's been trying to date, trying to date. But I'm like, just take, take your time. Because quite often we don't want to feel and heal everything inside. And wouldn't just someone else giving us attention make us feel better? Um, and I, so I've been trying to slow her, slow her down about that. Um, and so she's been, you know, willing to sit in the fire, do all this inner work, take care of herself, take care of her health, take care of her money, um, really re you know, create this next life. So she finally shredded everything, but the actual divorce document. Um, and then literally her phone started to blow up with all these guys on whatever app she's on for dating. Like she's available. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> you're actually energetically ready to receive healthy love. 
but until you did the work, you weren't. So one piece of advice I would say is don't go run out and start dating again right away as a, as a, like, like a bandaid on the wound without really going through the full healing, grieving process so that you don't go recreate the same thing again. And so right, that you really that's like a rebound relationship, right? Totally, exactly. And that you really do need to create some new uh, systems, structures, foundations, boundaries, you know, healthy boundaries on how you are going to move forward if there are indeed children uh, involved. If you do need to get yourself out of a quarter million dollars of legal debt like I did, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So be willing to put yourself first, value yourself so much, be patient, be tender, get support and, and do, do your work. You wouldn't like take a cast off a leg before it was healed and go run a marathon. Don't do this with yourself as well. Cocoon yourself with good people, feel, be willing to be in reality, uh, ask the tough questions, get the gift out of the relationship, do, you know, evolve all the growth opportunities of what that relationship taught all the way to complete and total forgiveness of self and other. And then, oh my God, the ease. I mean, I met my boyfriend in the driveway, like literally (laughs) in the driveway. Like I didn't have to go on a dating site. I didn't have to get a matchmaker. Whose driveway? Well, it was, I was a Airbnb, this cabin I was renting. And the landlord came down to give me my mail with this very handsome man. And I'm like, oh, hello. He goes, oh, yeah, this is my son. I'm like, yes, hello. (laughs) That's how that happened. There is an elegance, a magic, a grace when you're willing to really put down deeper roots. The the shoots that come from that foundation are often will astound you. uh, The ease with which healthy love will come if you're willing to do the inner work. And and I always find that the most amazing relationships happen when you're not expecting it or you're not looking for it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's hard to say because, you know, when you want to meet somebody, you're on dating sites and you're, you know, dating and on in the scene, but it's just, you know, it's almost like if you, the harder you try, the the less success you have sometimes. Completely. Well, it's all the, it's all science. It's all energy. You know, whatever you're attached to, whatever you resist is going to persist and grow. If you focus on what you don't have, you're going to get more of what you don't have. And so we, it's not like we don't want to get out there and date again, but we want to do it from a sense of like a lowered importance, less significance, zero attachment or resistance to your singleness, really fall in love. I remember when I met Florence Henderson, she was just walking by me at some event and I'm like, oh my God, it's the Brady Bunch mom. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, and I had my cameraman with me at the time. So I'm like, hey, um, just one line. Would you be so kind? What is the greatest advice you could, at the time I was focusing more on, on women. Um, I both have male and female clients now, but at the time it was women. So I said, what, what's your greatest advice for, for women coming out of a divorce? She's like, fall in love with living alone. And I'm like, nice, fist bump. <laughs> and she was great. So it really is true. Intimacy, as an intimacy expert, everyone's like, are you just about like talking about sex? And I'm like, no, uh, sex is awesome. But intimacy itself is about transparency, vulnerability, honesty, connection, contact, rawness with our self first, always with our self first. If there's any emotional unavailability to ourself, I'm scared, but I'm going to shove that away. Let's get on Facebook. Yeah. I'm a little angry, but I'm going to push that away and go buy another purse. You know, uh, where's my antidepressant? You know, if we're just going to push it all away, it's going to grow inside and we're going to become more and more disconnected from self, emotionally unavailable from self. And then, oh, look at that. 
I'm dating a narcissist. Like that's what's going to happen if you don't do your inner work. So that's definitely what I would say. Once you have gone through your divorce, do your work, look under every stone, fall madly in love with who you are and who you're not. Love your wobbly as much as your triumphant, truly discover and value yourself. And from that solid place in an unattached, lowered importance, joyful way, get out there and meet people and and let it be anywhere. As I said, the driveway, the dating site, the grocery store, you know, you you never know how you can be delighted when you sort of hold, you, you put your intention out there, you make your choice, but then you just open in delight to how the universe would like to play with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great stuff. And I, it kind of says you get, I always say you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're totally saying the same thing. And after two divorces and quite a humdinger of a custody (laughs) battle, that cabin where I actually met him was really the final straw because, you know, through the whole custody battle, at least my son loved me. You can kind of hear the violins play in the background. So I was still attached to him thinking I was a good person. Okay, so my ex doesn't like me and the state of California doesn't believe that I'm a good mother and blah, blah, blah. And But at least my son loves me. I was still attached. I was still deriving my worth, putting a tremendous amount of pressure, you know, subconsciously on this poor boy. And then of course he's 15 and he's like, dad's right, you are crazy. And dad's in the driveway and he gets all of his stuff and the two of them storm off. And I was just like devastated. It was like the last straw. I didn't think I could get more upset than that. I didn't think it'd get worse than that. But there I was, rejected even by my boy that I fought for. I lost everything for. Ugh. So yeah. I said to my assistant, I need to go away and cry. I'm going to close up this house. The rent is, you know, the, the lease is up in a month. Find me a place in the middle of nowhere for me to cry for a month, please. So she found this beautiful A-frame. It was like an artist's cabin in the middle of nowhere in the mountains outside of Palm Springs. And so there I was. And I, that's what I did. I cried. I mean, I got up every day. I wrote my newsletters. I talked to my clients. But after that, I just cried. And on month two, by being willing to go all the way, as I've been saying this whole time, intimacy with self first and cradle myself, forgive myself, forgive my son. He's just figuring it out. He's doing his best to become a man. He's decided that Living with his dad is, is how he's going to have that right now. And I don't need to judge him or judge me. And I can let go. And as I did that inner work big time, and of course, I've had my coaches along the way too. There I did. I opened up the door for my mail and there was this hottie and we've been together for a year and it's amazing. So again, same story. Be, be willing to do your inner work because that the inner always creates the outer. It's, it's science. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's no way around it. Uh, there's not really an easy way out, so to speak. So, uh, you know, the, go faster, through. the faster you go through it, the, the sooner you'll come out the other side. Totally. Awesome. Alana, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Mm, you you are so welcome. Of, you gave a lot of great information. I hope everybody really enjoyed it. Um, you know, this is something I think people will have to listen to more than once. And, Good. And uh, I hope to have you on again soon because there's so much we can talk about, really. Good. Thank you. And I'm sure you'll put in the show, the show notes. There's a book I have about manifesting the beloved. Um, and there's like the free chapter, as I said, when you read that, it's about you being the beloved. 
You've got to have that relationship with self first and it will manifest that person. And then I have other resources about your femininity or your masculinity if those feel more like the the issue that created the issues in the divorce. Um, lots of resources to just bring you home to your best self. Yeah. Thank yeah, you again. All so that much. information is going to be in the show notes. So um, that's where you can find it. And again, Alana, thank you so much for being on with me. You're welcome. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love to you all. All right. Wow. Alana brought it today. I hope you all enjoyed that. She, We talked about so much information and she gave so many tips uh, for every stage of the divorce process. So no matter where you are, hopefully you found something valuable that you could take away from the interview. And if you need to listen to it again, I don't blame you. It was quite the interview uh, and uh, it was one of the longer ones, but we kept on going because she kept on giving it and I thought it was great content and stuff that we could all learn from. I don't know about you, but I'm going to try that dyad exercise myself. If you try it, let me know. Send me an email and or uh, and let me know what you thought and did it work for you guys. Uh, and here we go. All right. So that's another episode of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Thank you so much. If you are interested in personal one-on-one divorce coaching with me, then I encourage you to check out my uh, product, Divorce U, Divorce University. There's three programs to choose from um, because when you're learning about divorce, it's kind of like going back to school. It's an online program. You get one-on-one coaching with me. If you have any questions, you can reach me at jason at jasonlavoy.com. And uh, hope to see you there. If you like the podcast and you haven't yet, Please subscribe, and if you can, take a second to leave a short review on iTunes. That would be so much appreciated. It really helps spread the word. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. As always, I'm Jason LaVoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you soon.